There will be no public inquiry into allegations of foreign interference into Canada's elections after Special Rapporteur David Johnston advised against it. A former broadcasting director with Global News claimed that the media organization shoved propaganda into the faces of Canadians during the pandemic. Thousands of Calgarians are calling for the city to reverse a decision to cancel its annual Canada Day fireworks display. Hello Canada, it's Wednesday, May 24th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Rachel Emanuel. And I'm Cosman Georgia. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's appointed special rapporteur into foreign interference in Canada's elections, David Johnston, has advised against a public inquiry. The former Governor General made the announcement on Tuesday and published a 55-page report on his findings. Johnston claimed that a public inquiry would be hindered by the need for top-secret intelligence to be kept private. He acknowledged that there are serious problems in how intelligence is shared between the public service and political officials. However, he concluded there was no evidence to suggest that the Trudeau government ignored claims of foreign interference. While a public inquiry is not being recommended by Johnston, he said he plans to hold a, quote, series of public hearings with Canadians, end quote, into the issue. Instead of criticizing the government for how it has handled claims of foreign interference, Johnston took aim at media outlets for reporting on the issue. According to Johnston, media reports on interference in the 2019 and 2021 elections gave an incomplete, distorted, and sometimes false picture of the extent of Chinese interference. Federal Conservative leader Pierre Polyev lashed out at Johnston's recommendations. Here's what that sounded like. We see today that his ski buddy, cottage neighbor, family friend, and member of the Beijing-financed Trudeau Foundation came out and did exactly what I predicted, help Trudeau cover up uh, the influence by Beijing in our democracy. We know that Beijing interfered in two elections to help Trudeau win. We know that Beijing gave $140,000 to the Trudeau Foundation with the express purpose of buying the love and the loyalty of Justin Trudeau. And we know that Trudeau has been briefed on these matters for years and done absolutely nothing about it except try to keep it quiet and call names anyone, name call anyone who, who spoke out about it. And then in order to further sweep the matter under the rug, he put his friend, uh, his ski buddy, his cottage neighbor and Trudeau Foundation member, David Johnston, in charge of uh, today's uh, um, whitewash attempt. Well, conservatives are not buying it. We need a full public inquiry to get to the bottom of Beijing's interference in our democracy. And that's what I will deliver when I am Prime Minister. There will be a full public inquiry into this mess. So, Cosman, this was obviously a huge news story yesterday. A lot of people argued that by not ruling for a public inquiry, it showed that Johnson was not able to put aside his bias. We know that he was skiing buddies with the Trudeau family growing up. And they believe that this is a huge mistake in that in some cases, people were arguing he's built up a lifelong reputation in the civil service, in government, and now he has destroyed that reputation in just one day. What's your take on the story? Yeah, well, while it's a big story, it's also entirely predictable. I think we all saw this coming. Um, some of the claims he makes are quite outrageous. We've seen 
high level former CSIS officials say that this goes back decades with the federal government. So to claim that there was no evidence to suggest that the Trudeau government ignored claims of foreign interference, we have CSIS officials saying exactly the opposite, that they did, in fact, ignore it. So it is quite extraordinary that he came to some of these conclusions. And to just completely shut down a public inquiry is, uh, yeah, is suspect. It really seemed like he absolved the government of any criticism and of any blame for the situation ongoing here. Interestingly, though, he did take aim at media, which we don't see from the government too often. It reminds me of when the Globe and Mail first reported on the SNC-Lavalin scale and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said the allegations in the Globe are false. Of course, they were later proved to be exactly correct. And I'm wondering if we're going to see a similar situation here. I suspect there will continue to be reports in weeks to come, more leaks likely. And I'm wondering if this decision is going to feel even more foolish. This decision not to hold a public inquiry is going to feel even more foolish than many of us already think it is in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, I mean, we will have to see. It's hard to to speculate what else uh, is out there when we're talking about uh, intelligence. But yeah, you're you're correct to say that. You know, this is a former governor general taking uh, hits at the media, sort of on behalf of Trudeau. Like he's he uh, Trudeau said some similar things when when all these stories were coming out. Uh, that was the official government line. So it just totally lines up with what the liberals are saying. And, you know, the question of impartiality, uh, it, it's a huge one. And I think David Johnson, you know, uh, given his past illustrious career, has really failed Canadians here. A former broadcasting director with Global News claimed that the media organization provided biased coverage during the COVID-19 pandemic. And instead of doing journalism, quote, shoved propaganda into the faces of Canadians. Former director Anita Krishna told the National Citizen Inquiry that the broadcaster's coverage of pandemic-related issues was slanted. Here's what she said. I was a director of newscasts when COVID-19 happened. Well, yeah, I mean, the vaccine was like a religion, you know, like... Um, all we did was constantly run stories of, okay, look at this look at this person in the hospital, this person who made a bad choice and didn't get the vaccine. Oh, they ended up in the hospital. It's like all our stories were slanted to that. Everything we were saying was pandemic of the unvaccinated. If you're unvaccinated, you'll be holding everybody back. And that we now know isn't true. We, we, we never stood up for the people. We just, as far as I'm concerned, shoved propaganda in your face. Krishna was eventually suspended by the company for allegedly violating journalistic principles after she spoke out about her concerns surrounding the pandemic and lockdowns. So, Rachel, this is the second, you know, former um, journalist talking about some of the things that went on at some of the major media companies in Canada during the pandemic. You know, there's been allegations. This is a second allegation of media essentially becoming a propaganda arm of the uh, mainstream narrative uh, around COVID-19 and lockdowns. Uh, do you think that these testimonies will bring out some more people who worked in the media and saw some of the things going on and really had an issue with it? Or um, 
is the media sort of so insulated that uh, they're going to protect their own? I suspect it could bring out a few more people who experienced this during the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, this exactly was my experience. I worked in the mainstream media during COVID. There was a lot of censorship that we faced. It was very difficult to write stories that were critical of the government narrative on COVID-19, especially around things like lockdowns and vaccines, things that we now know did cause harm. And we've even seen CBC do some stories on vaccine injuries in recent weeks and months. But when it was prevalent, when the vaccines were being forced down people's throats, they didn't want to touch that issue. So certainly there's many people in the industry who are aware of these issues. I think more and more people that choose to work for mainstream media and can stick it out, so to speak, are people that believe they are ideologically in the correct. And it's worth the consequences of maybe silencing a group of people because they believe that they're on the right side. So I think we're seeing people who are rational, who want to show both sides of the story in the mainstream media less and less. There still are a few good reporters within the industry as a whole in Canada, but there's a lot less of them than there used to be. And I also just think for Canadians, hearing these stories come out, in a sense, it's very enraging that you are now being told that this was happening behind closed doors. But in another sense, it also provides a bit of relief because you had these suspicions that things were going on and things weren't right. And you start to feel like you're crazy. You're thinking, am I the only person who's thinking that something seems off? And now to be told that, no, this was happening behind closed doors. And there were those of us in the industry who were aware of what we were being asked to push and how wrong it was. In a way, I think it is a bit of a relief for people to hear that, yes, you were correct. And it was an evil thing that happened to you. That's right. You know, I almost completely forgot you used to work for the legacy media. So just from that inside perspective, what do you think some of the motivation behind this at the editorial level was? Was it just a matter of, well, no, we got to toe this line because we risk um, ruining our credibility in the face of the public? Or do you think it was a little bit more sinister I suspect that it probably varies from outlet to outlet. At my outlet, I worked at iPolitics at the time. That's a subsidiary of the Toronto Star, though it now is partially owned by an independent board of directors as well. It wasn't sinister. I don't believe it was sinister at all. I sense the best intentions from the editors. I did sense a fair bit of fear. There's a lot of groupthink in Ottawa on Parliament Hill. And I think when you're covering something that's different and you're doing it in a different way, because all the outlets kind of write the same stories in various ways. Every now and then someone will have a good scoop and then everyone else on the hill follows that scoop. There's not a lot of variety in what's being covered. So when you're doing something different, it does draw attention. People notice it pretty quickly. And I think that caused a fair bit of discomfort within my organization. But I also just think they genuinely thought that it was wrong to give certain groups a voice. It was wrong to give the freedom movement a voice. They didn't want to cover things like protests against lockdowns. They didn't want to cover anything that was critical of COVID-19 vaccines because they said the science isn't settled and they really wanted to just push the government science on the vaccines, even when we know that was changing all the time. So I sensed a real fear from them on getting it wrong and being unwilling to even give airtime to a subset of the Canadian population that was very unhappy with what was happening, that was very critical, and even to these doctors who said, this isn't right and this isn't safe. And the results of that ended up meaning that we got it wrong in so many different ways. Thousands of Calgarians, including Conservative MP Michelle Rumpel-Garner, are calling for the city to reverse a decision to cancel its annual Canada Day fireworks display. 
Last week, the city of Calgary announced it would cancel its Canada Day show and replace it with a light show due to climate and cultural impacts. A petition launched by Common Sense Calgary over the weekend calling for the fireworks to be reinstated has already garnered over 6,000 signatures. The city says there are cultural sensitivities around fireworks displays in relation to truth and reconciliation, and with July 1 marking the 100th anniversary of the Chinese Immigration Act. It also says the changes will mitigate disruptive traffic, noise, overcrowding at city viewpoints, and be friendlier for wildlife. Rempel Garner, the MP for Calgary Nose Hill, implored city councillors to reverse the decision, saying, quote, it brings no good to our city. Cosman, this is just another ridiculous story that we've seen in recent weeks where Canadians increasingly feel like they're being told to be ashamed for their history and now for Canada Day. I've never seen the Calgary Fireworks Show, but apparently it's quite massive. It's quite a spectacle. And I am pretty disappointed that it's being canceled. So hopefully this petition has some influence and that they actually decide to reinstate the Fireworks Show, although I think they spend a lot of time making these decisions even though they're the wrong ones. And I don't know if we're going to actually see any movement on this. What's your take? Well, I think this is just another case of these, you know, progressive social justice warrior type politicians uh, being anti-fun, like especially when it has to do with celebrating national identity. Um, And the claim that this is somehow, you know, traumatizing or offensive to Indigenous or Chinese people is ridiculous. I'm sure in the audience of these fireworks show, there's a a multitude of different types of people, including First Nations and Chinese Canadians, uh, who would have loved to see such a display. So their reasoning doesn't make sense. They're doing more to tear things down that bring people together than they do to build uh, Canadians up. Yeah, I think that you have it exactly right. And that's what Rumpel Garner argued in her letter as well. She said this does more division than anything else. Interestingly, when you talk about the politicians at fault here, I did read that the politicians, the Calgary city councillors were saying, well, this was actually a decision on the part of the city administration and we weren't involved in the decision. And back in December, when Edmonton made a decision not to have a Christmas tree, typically they have a very large Christmas tree. They said, no, we're not going to do that this year. Usually a business group in the area provides the tree. And this year they said they weren't going to. And Edmonton said, we're not going to step in and provide it either because of the climate impacts of removing a natural tree from the forest and you know, bringing it downtown, even though you can usually get these things from Christmas tree farms. <laughs> Um, and so they, at the same time, blamed that decision on the city administration. The councillors didn't take responsibility for it. So it's also frustrating when these types of situations emerge and then there's nobody left to be held accountable for the decision. Everyone's kind of finger pointing and say, well, they did it. No, it's anonymous person in the back room who you'll never hear of, or you'll never see, and he won't vote for, and they can't be held accountable. That is becoming increasingly common in Canadian politics. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at 